Welcome and thank you for joining Save Our Sisters Unplugged. If you're looking for a sisterhood of intelligent women to network with, then this is a podcast for you. We'll be letting our hair down and spilling all the tea on an array of topics and gain insight into what women really think. My name is Noreen Foy and I'll be your host. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. As we know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And during this time, victim advocates, allied professionals, survivors of abuse, their loved ones, and the communities come together to mourn the lives lost to domestic violence, celebrate progress that's being made, and connect with others working to create change. I wanted to talk about this today because it is personal to me, and the point of this podcast is to help women that may be in this type of struggle still. It's very common, and I need them to see the signs before it's too late. Some women don't come back from these situations, and I want everybody to just have all the information that they need so that they know what to look out for, they know how to spot it in others, and what to do about their situation. Another aspect of this awareness for me is supporting the younger women as well. I'm talking about those young ladies in high school that are very vulnerable, and they're at the age where the boyfriend relationships are starting. It is imperative for them to know the signs early and what they should also do should they end up in an abusive relationship. I'm sure we've all been in situations where an argument escalated to screaming and beyond, but because you loved the person, you turned a blind eye to the red flag. And sometimes you even turn that blind eye because you don't know the flag is red. We'll come back to that later. Let's get into some stats. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner. 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. And 72% of all murder-suicides involve an intimate partner. 94% of those victims are women. I want that to sink in just a little bit. This is deep. To continue on, women between ages 18 and 24 are reportedly the most vulnerable to partner violence. And as I said in the beginning, this is why I'm wanting to get those young ladies right while they're in high school when those romantic relationships are starting. So while 85% of domestic abuse victims are women, the United States Department of Justice's 2000 National Violence Against Women survey findings, it suggests that women's experiences are hardly equal. Lesbian couples experience less intimate partner violence than heterosexual couples. And on the flip side of that, men who endure domestic abuse living with male intimate partners are the most victimized male group. Nearly double the percent of cohabitating men reported being raped, physically assaulted, and stalked by male cohabitant compared to those residing with or married to women. Now, this is mind-blowing because I did not even think about that. I did not think about that. When I think of domestic abuse, I'm thinking man on woman, woman on man, but I've never really even considered the same sex um, aspect of it. So what is domestic violence? 
Well, let's get into it. Domestic violence is a crime for sure. And it's violence or abuse in a domestic setting, such as cohabitation or marriage. So domestic violence can happen to anyone. So no one's exempt from this. You can be any age and it can occur in both heterosexual and same-sex relationships. It can also include violence against children, parents, or the elderly and can take on several forms, including physical, verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse. It is an epidemic. So no matter what statistic you're looking at, society closes their eyes to it. And although statistics show the rate of family violence in the U.S. has decreased during the last 10 years, there are millions of women and children that we know are living in violent homes every day. And having this pandemic carry on for two years and counting, those people that have been in violent relationships prior to the pandemic, they are living with their abuser. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being trapped with your abuser day in and day out? And sometimes you have those outlets like work, school, daycare, you know, because like I said, it affects everyone. So no one's exempt. And so all those little outlets that you had before, they're now shut off because of the pandemic. So you, you don't have anywhere to go. And you probably don't even have anyone to talk to, you know. So this is what I want to do today. I want to empower you. I want to give you tools that you can use so that you know what to do. There are people that are in denial about being abused. Um, I know that firsthand because my mother was the same way. My sister was the same way. No one wants to say that they're being abused because, um, they want to label it a lot of times as sort of a low life problem. Like it must be for people who are uneducated and disadvantaged. There's no way it's happening to me because I'm educated and I'm of a certain class, you know, and sometimes they just distance themselves and feel like that won't happen to people in your class or in your neighborhood. You know, it's self-protection, but it's everywhere. And that's really hard to accept. And, you know, a lot of people aren't really accepting it. And hence, they get into this cycle of abuse. They stay in these toxic relationships. And unknowingly, they pass this information along to their children because why? Their children are seeing them go through this. And so they make it normal. And that's what we don't want to do. So why do women stay? And we're going to talk about the women's aspect because this is my niche. I'm catering to women. I want to empower women. So only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. Why is that? There's a lot of people that have a lot of shame. There are a lot of women when they get abused, the first thing to think about is, oh, well, let me cover this up because I don't want anybody to see it, you know? And I really wish that we would really stop doing that. I really wish that we would find the strength to just let that bruise turn purple. Because I, I, for a long time, have always said, I am not going to be in an abusive relationship. That is not what I see for my life. That is not what I want. That is something I will never accept. But I also don't judge anyone for staying in their relationships. You know, because everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own path and they have their own reasons. 
I saw my mom get hit by my dad one time. I was fixing her shoes. I, I remember it clearly. It was one of my sister's graduations, and I was putting the strap together on mom's shoe, and I, I guess mom must have said something to dad that he didn't like, and and next thing you know, he slapped her, and she she tumbled a little bit and smashed my fingers, and you know, I think that was like my de- defining moment. That was my defining moment where I said, I will never be in an abusive relationship. This is ridiculous. So back to the covering up of the bruises. Why are you hiding your injuries, sis? It is not your shame. It is not your shame. And I was speaking with a young lady and I said the same thing to her. I know that when we go out in public, you know, we don't want people to know our personal business. But at the end of the day, what are we doing with that? I mean, yes, you you don't want certain people in your business. But are you covering it up just so you wouldn't have to answer? Or are you covering up just so you wouldn't have to deal with what happened to you? Like, I don't understand the reasoning behind it. But I just say, listen, just get some help. You know, I know it's not easy. And I say that because I am of a different mindset. And I know it's easier said than done. I'm of a different mindset. And my mind is already made up that that will not be me. I'm not judging anyone that has gone through it. I know several people that have gone through it in my family alone. And um, I just want them to just be able to stand up for themselves. And of course, many fears go through their mind. Um, First thing comes to mind is, oh gosh, if I leave, you know, he might come after me. Or they stay because they were threatened. If you leave, I'm going to kill the kids. Or if you leave, I'm going to do this to your family member. Or if you leave, I leave. And the only way out of this relationship is death. But what we have to realize is that women are 70 times more likely to be killed in the in two weeks after leaving than any other time during the relationship. And a lot of people don't know that. Once you're leaving, I mean, your abuser is like pissed. So they're thinking, if I can't have you, no one else is going to have you. And then it just becomes a fight or flight situation in your mind. So you have to really be vigilant about how you're going to plan your escape. You know what I'm saying? So how can we identify domestic views? Remember those red flags I told you about? Let's get in it. So when I was growing up, I thought that domestic violence was when you were getting hit. I never thought that it had anything to do with anything else because, you know, I grew up in an era where people say if if they're not beating or cheating, you should be able to work out your relationship. But in this list that I'm going to go through, it just goes to show that it is deeper than we think, you know. So when I really found out for myself the entirety of domestic violence, domestic abuse, I realized that I was being abused and I just didn't even know it. So I didn't even know to look into those particular flags because, you know, they weren't the common ones like hitting you know, so physical abuse. That includes hitting, slapping, shoving, grabbing, pinching, biting, hair pulling. But these are the types of abuses that um, are common, you know. And this type of abuse, it also includes denying a partner medical care or forcing alcohol or drugs upon another person. So that's, that's all physical abuse. Those are things that I knew were wrong. Sexual abuse, 
that speaks for itself coercing or attempting to coerce any sexual contact or behavior without consent that is the key without consent this also includes marital rape and i know for a long time that a lot of people did not think that marital rape was a thing but i don't understand why it would be any different than regular rape I mean, just because the person is your spouse does not mean that they give up their right to freedom and the right to their own bodies. That's not what happens in a marriage. You still have the choice to say no. And of course, it's always the woman would be the one that would be making the report. Then it would be denied because, you know, hey, your husband is trying to do what married people do with you. And yeah, he's not raping you, you know, if that's what's happening. But it is, in fact, rape if it's non-consensual. And that is the key right there. So emotional abuse. Now, here is where it got fuzzy for me. And like I said before, I didn't know that emotional abuse was included in this umbrella of you know domestic violence i didn't know that emotional abuse it includes undermining an individual's sense of self-worth self-esteem and it also includes criticism diminishing one's abilities name calling or damaging a relationship with your children so this emotional abuse if your man is telling you Hey, you know, you can't even cook this right. I can't even believe this. Woman your age, you know, you should be able to know how to do these things. And what are you doing? This, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. That is emotional abuse. That is emotional abuse. And all these women out here that are keeping their partners from their children and keeping the children and the fathers uh, separate, that is emotional abuse. Because it is very disturbing. No one should be denied the rights to anything and no one should be talked down to and no one's self-worth should be broken okay so we have to really be careful about this emotional abuse because you're not thinking that it's something you can see but it is something that you can feel and that goes a long way because words definitely hurt it does, and it, it hangs around, and you have to be very careful what you're saying to people because you don't know what they're going to hold on to, especially children. And this is why I am so careful when I speak with my children. If I'm trying to guide them in any way, I am very conscious of the words that I use because I don't want them to feel like they're doing wrong things or there's something wrong with them. You just want to say, hey, this is the situation. This is how you get out of it. You know, what you're doing, it might be okay, but it's not sustainable. You only know what you know. But what you need to do is this, or let me show you a different way of doing it. You have to be very careful of your words. You can't just yell and be like, you ain't doing this right. You don't even know what you're doing. Let me do it because you can't do it. I can't depend on you to do nothing right. That is so cruel. And nobody needs to be emasculated. Because the more you break a person down emotionally, you're going to get this broken person and you're not going to get anything out of that. You're not going to get anything out of the relationship at all. So another form of abuse is economic abuse. 
which includes controlling or restraining a person's ability to acquire, use, or maintain economic resources that they are entitled to. And this includes coercion, fraud, or manipulation to restrict a person's access to their assets, money, financial information, or credit. These scammers, they call you up and they said, hey, I need you to send me all this and whatever the scams are these days. I need help and I'm in jail or I'm having a financial hardship and I need you to send me all this money, you know. And then some people get so nervous about it and they're like, oh my God, you know, let me send this money. Or my daughter one time, she actually had a scammer call her. They were located in Florida. And they were saying that she owed all this money. They had her name. They had, um, I think they had like her, the city that she was in. But they had a lot of information about her. And that was scary. And so they were saying, if you don't send us this money today, I'm going to call the cops and have you arrested. And well, she was a young girl at the time. She might have been like, 18 years old and she was so nervous she called me and of course I'm like big grown woman now because I'm like okay now you're messing with my baby you're poking the bear now you know so they call her up tell her all these things I get the number I call them they're telling me the same thing and I'm like listen that's not how things work okay you don't just say hey I owe you the payment without sending me the bill and you don't call the police that's not how things work so I ended up reporting them I ended up reporting them and so things like that situations like that that is most definitely economic abuse so we have to be very careful of that and a lot of that has been springing up now since the pandemic because you know everybody's just having a hard time and it's unfortunate but everybody's just trying to survive but you cannot go about it the wrong way so the, the final thing that I want to talk about is psychological abuse and elements of psychological abuse include fear by intimidation threatening physical harm to self partner children or partners family or friends destruction of pets or property forcing isolation from families and friends that right there that I kind of relate that to even the beginning of this domestic violence because people try to isolate you from your family that is like one of the first thing they do they try to turn you against all the people that love you and they isolate you and that way there's nobody coming to check for you because you've already severed all your ties so they get that control over you and then even when you threaten to leave them, they say, oh, well, I'm going to kill myself. That's psychological abuse. And that is so not cool. So all these things are included in domestic violence, domestic abuse. These are the things that we really need to look out for. Psychological abuse, economic abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and physical abuse. All these abusive behaviors rolled into one it is a lot to deal with right so we really have to make sure as women as young women you look at these things you take them seriously I don't care how cute the person is I don't care if they're paying all your bills the minute you see the first sign of trouble get the heck out of there your life is worth more than whatever they're trying to pay for you. Your rent, your mortgage, you know, I don't care what they're offering you. 
Okay, your life is more important than any material thing. Okay, so how does one heal from this? Let's say you get out of this situation. Let's say you break free. Let's say maybe you've called, you know, the domestic violence hotline or the Centers for Prevention of Abuse or any of these agencies that will come and get you in the middle of the night and hide you away and keep you safe, you and your children, and they will just pretty much help you forge a path to freedom let's say you get away how do you come back from that because that is an entire mental situation right there and so you have to really heal but the healing process begins when the victim of this abuse is finally away from their abuser and unfortunately sometimes this step can take months or even years of planning and preparation before it becomes a reality Sometimes you get in a heated argument, you say, I'm going to leave you. Now you're putting up warning bells for them. Oh, you're, you're leaving me? You're, you're making a plan to leave me? No, these things you have to really move in silence, okay? You have to get whatever agency you're going to go through and move in silence and plan accordingly, okay? For you to be safe, for your children to be safe, you have to be physically away from your attacker, Okay, and safety means that you are away from your attacker and you can sleep without fear. You can live without fear. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder. So how do you really move on from domestic violence? Well, one of the first things that you have to consider after you've escaped the violent person is to understand that there's nothing that you did wrong to deserve that abuse. Please don't take it in. Please don't blame yourself. Don't blame your children. The blame lies solely on the abuser. Now, according to the Safe Passage website dedicated to a world free from domestic abuse, empowerment of the victim is very important following the abuse and manipulation by the abuser because you have to really retrain your mind. You have to really build yourself back up after this happens, okay? Another healing activity can be reconnecting with your family and friends. That tribe that you had before that, you know, the village was burnt down, you're going to have to rebuild those relationships and you're going to have to let people in because sometimes when you are in these abusive relationships, you don't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody, mostly out of shame, mostly out of guilt, Mostly because you don't want to feel stupid or maybe because your family said that person is not good for you and you defended them and God forbid you want to go back and say you were right, you know, but after you've gotten out of it, listen, you have to really rebuild those relationships because people need to know what you've been through and you're going to need your village because you're going to need them to help you heal. So connect with your family and friends. Once you reconnect with your family It gives you that freedom to remember and recall everything that you have been through. And it allows you to grow and for that healing to really happen and really sink in. And then it also gives you time for reflection. You also want to try and make a visit to your doctor to check for depression and anxiety. Because going through this, it is definitely depressing. Sometimes you feel very lonely in this situation. You feel like no one understands. And because you're isolated, so you don't have anyone to tell. It's you and the abuser. And you always go in this state of mind that, well, if I tell anyone and he finds out, 
or she finds out, then this is what's going to happen. Insert trauma to me, you know, you can also try meditating alternatives to meditation or sound baths that always help me out a little bit, you know, educating yourself on all aspects of abuse. You want to be sure that you're not ending up in this situation again. So education is key. Okay. Detaching from your abuser. Listen, I've been in relationships where I've had the longest breakup. You go back and forth. You love, you hate, you love, you hate. But once you're out of that, you need to really be done with it. You really need to stay in your mindset of, I am over this. I do not want to be abused. I choose me. I love me. And choose yourself and love yourself first. And get out of that and do not ever go into it again. So once you've detached from your abuser, get a domestic violence hotline to vent or maybe even join a support group. That's going to help in your healing process. And then going forward, make sure you don't end up there again. You want to set yourself up with a domestic violence safety plan. And you've already been in a, a violent relationship or a toxic relationship before. So you already know some of the signs that you might have ignored because you're going to be thinking about that in your reflection process. So you want to think about all of that and you want to make a plan, make a safety plan. Like, okay, if this happens again and my safety is threatened or my life is threatened, this is what I'm going to do. This is my steps that I'm going to take. Put that in a safe place, right? Share it with someone else. But when you get into your next relationship, I want you to really take the time to vet that person properly. And like I said in the beginning, Anyone can get into a domestic violence relationship. Anyone can get in. It does not matter who it is. It doesn't matter the state of your relationship, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. It does not matter. Domestic abuse is an epidemic. It is a sad situation. It is a life or death situation. And you have to be very careful of the people that you're letting into your life. And when you see those red flags, please do not ignore them. They are so important for you. And so building your village back and getting your healing done. And I know a lot of the employers have employee assistance programs where you can go in and get your therapy. I'm a big supporter of mental health. Go ahead and sit with a therapist. If you don't feel that you can do this healing on your own, go ahead and find you a great therapist. Now you may go through maybe one, two or three therapists before you find a good fit. Because I remember after my divorce, which was very toxic, I had to go and get me a therapist. And I went through my employer's employee assistance program. And the first therapist that we went to was a guy. And it was so weird because we would go in, me and my kids, because, you know, the divorce affected them too. So I, I want them to be able to talk about their feelings and how they felt in the situation and, and what plans we can make as a family going forward so that we can all heal from the divorce. Well, this guy, like the first time we went in there, he might have asked us a few things. And then the second time we went in, he would just sit there and smile at us. And this is my first attempt at therapy. So I'm like, this can't be how this thing works. Shouldn't he be asking me questions? Shouldn't he ask me what my issues were? Shouldn't he be asking me, 
you know, like what was the situation, how I felt, how did divorce go, what was the aftermath like, what were my kids feeling, were they injured, was there any domestic abuse happening, like this guy just sat there. And like after the third visit, I'm like, okay, and, and I'm, I'm such a polite person. Like I never want to hurt people's feelings, but I was like, listen, you only get so many free chances with this program. So I'm not going to waste all my time and visits on this one guy who's not doing anything. I didn't even know what his deal was. It was just so weird. Like I said, you know, he just sat there, stared at us, smiling. And then he had this mustache that just curled up on both ends. It was it was the most bizarre thing I ever experienced. So then I went back to my corporate planner and I said, hey, you know what? This guy's not working out for us. I do not think he's a good fit. And then they suggested someone else from their network. And we went and saw her. And this lady was awesome. And the thing is, she got my son to talk. My son has always been such a quiet spirit you never think that now because he's what maybe 250 pounds like six foot five so you'd never think of him as a sweet giant but he really is and he used to be such a shy person when he was younger and then after the divorce he got really angry but he still wasn't outspoken he internalized everything and um this lady like she got him to talk she got him to talk about his feelings she had like these individual visits with all of us and then we did group and she was amazing and she was the one that actually helped us through all the trauma that we had in the aftermath of this divorce so I said all that to say this choosing your therapist or your mental health professional is very important it's like choosing a boyfriend choosing a husband you know choosing a life partner because you're going to be telling this person the most intimate details of your life and then you want them to help you. So it is very important that you take the time to vet these people properly, just as you would your romantic relationship. Okay. So I strongly advise if you don't feel that you can get over whatever you've been through in your relationship, if you cannot get over it or get past it or move on on your own, please seek professional help. This is what they are here for. They are awesome and it's worth it. It is worth it, especially when you have a job that supports that and they would give you some free visits. At least you would in that process, you would know if this thing is going to be a long-term thing based on the therapist or if it's going to be a short-term thing because sometimes, you know, you go in with your own feelings and your own mindset about what therapies should look like. But then the therapist is the one that's supposed to lead the sessions and help you cope with all the things that you've been through and then set you up for success, you and your family, if your family's involved. So ladies, I know this was a lot, but we have to be prepared to protect ourselves and our families, our children. If we must break the cycle of this abuse and teach our young girls the signs to look out for, most importantly, we need to love ourselves enough to get out when we can and do not set the example by staying in these toxic relationships. Let's not normalize that. Let's break the chain. We're only grooming our children to do the same. Boys too. 
because there are girls out there that are abusive and you know we teach our boys not to hit women but then there's these women out here that are very handsy and so we have to really teach them at very young ages how to protect themselves if you need to restrain somebody restrain them you don't have to really be punching them in the face or choking them out or anything like that but if somebody is attacking you you do have a right to defend yourself but you want to defend yourself in a way that is not going to land you in jail you know call the cops there is no shame in that so we have to really teach our girls to keep their hands to themselves the same way we have to teach our boys the same thing so we want to teach our children and our young women and our young men get out of there first sign of trouble do not ignore the flags they can save your life both men and women can be abusers if you have not listened to anything I have said on any of these episodes, please share this one with your tribe. Share it because this month does not exist for no reason. There are a lot of people out there that are struggling and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. And we have to be there for each other. We have to even identify the signs in others. You know, if you see a woman out there, she's like, oh, I can't wear this. My boyfriend's not going to like it. Oh, I have to be home because if I'm not on time, my boyfriend will be mad or my partner will be upset with me. Those are some signs that should send up some warning signals for you. So I will leave you with that. And like I said, be careful of the people you are bringing into your life, into your family structure. Until next time, remember that you are stronger than you think. And sometimes we have to save ourselves. In saving ourselves, we will save our sisters. Peace and blessings. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Our Sisters Unplugged podcast. Hopefully you found it to be inspiring and you've received great information you can use in your daily life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your sis some love by subscribing on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. We're on Instagram at SaveOurSisters underscore 2020 and check out our YouTube page. If you would like to continue the conversation, Join our Save Our Sisters group on Facebook. Until next time, sis, and remember to love yourself.